If you're already using Helmbot, have you checked out their new filter option on the schedule? This is my new favorite tool right here. If you have LMTs, what you can do, or I guess any practitioner, you can click on the filter option and then select the name of the practitioner and see their schedule for the entire week and you know jump around week to week, day to day as well. Whereas previously on the schedule, you'd have to go you know day by day um, for that. You'd see all your float tanks and the practitioners. So this is, for me, this is my new favorite feature. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. And uh, now I can see exactly how busy they are when they have openings. You know, if a client requests a specific practitioner, I can jump in specifically for them and, and schedule and talk about their avail availability much quicker and easier while on the phone with potential clients. So Helmbot, thank you so much. If you're not already using Helmbot, please go to helmbot.com and schedule a schedule a free tour, get the demo. There's all this stuff that you can do to completely understand this software for yourself and for your business before you ever have to you know, sign anything, make any payments, anything like that. And by the time you do, it'll be completely worth it. So again, helmbot.com is where you should go. Whew, boy, this episode. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just get right to it here and, and start the episode, but this is a very compelling episode. Um, there is a call to action on this one. If anybody is interested in helping support uh, the changing of regulations in Florida, uh, please check out the show notes on this one. If you're listening to this episode near the time of its posting, certainly check and float collective as well. We'll, we'll probably include a link, but uh, oi, oi vey, this is a big one. And um, yeah, in, enjoy the story, uh, get, getting fired up and I, I hope, uh, hope it uh, leads you to want to do something to help support as well as we help support the flow community. Good morning. Good evening, everyone. This is Gloria Morris. Welcome to the Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. I'm trying to be just as good as Dylan here. That was not bad, right? Fantastic. Bad. Okay, so tonight we have a question. When you opened your center, did you have health department issues? Speaking for myself, I did not. We, we were unregulated. I didn't have to really deal with any health department issues. What about you? This is Drew from New Hampshire Float, and I am in the live free or die state, and my health inspector was also the building inspector, and he was definitely more in the background of being a building inspector. So he was more focused on that and deferred to the state, and no one in the state ever returned a call, so I opened a float center. <laughs> nice. This is Dylan. I'm the float shop in Portland, Oregon, and... Um... Yeah, no, no regulations here. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword for there to be no regulations, but that's for a whole nother episode. So tonight's episode was prompted by a Facebook post in the collective that I read from Jackie Stewart. And we just so happened to have Matt and Jackie Stewart on tonight. Just Matt and Jackie. Yeah, isn't that amazing? They just showed up. Matt and Jackie, we cannot wait to hear your story. I know it's painful to tell, but I think it's a story very much worth telling. And we'd love to understand kind of where you are. So before we even get started down the path of that, what is, the, uh, what is your background in terms of uh, the float industry? When did you open? What's your float center called? Where are you located? Sure. Yeah, I'll take that um, because I'm kind of responsible for, for that. I had my first float... Uh, about five years ago, Jackie, you were there for my mm -hmm. uh, for we, our first. We had our we first had, one. 
<laughs> yeah, we had our first float about five years ago together on a trip in Denver. And I fell in love with it instantly. It was everything I needed. It was the self-management, self-care tool that I was looking for. And I started a float practice within myself then. And and I, I fell in love with it. And it took about uh, two years for us to gather the vision and get the parts moving, right? And kind of pivot in our life. But when I found floating, I was in the insurance business. I was a commercial insurance agent. I, my daily routine was working with business owners to craft risk management programs and, and help them with their insurance. And so I pivoted out of that and uh, we opened the center in February of 2019. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have, uh, yeah, so we've been open for about two years now. Okay, so and you said that's in Jacksonville, but your first float was in Denver. So did you live in Colorado first or always in Florida? How did you land in Florida? Yeah, no, we were on vacation. We were on vacation. Oh. We were like, let's 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 look for a float place. Let's do something cool out here in Colorado. Yeah. They they float out here. <laughs> there was no float centers in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. So we we took an opportunity while we were out in Denver and floated, and that's what planted the seed. For us in Jacksonville. Got it. And Jackie, did you work at the time too and, and leave a different type of business? Yeah. So I um, I was a lawyer in a past life, oddly. Um, and since even since we um, have opened Indigo in Jacksonville, I still have another job as well. I'm, I'm in IT audit as well, full-time still. So kind of pulling double duty um, there. So it's it's been interesting. <laughs> Jackie, you said that you were a lawyer and you, you're still working full time. So, mm -hmm. getting the center up and running back in 2019. I mean, when did you start? If you opened in February of 2019, did you start yeah. in 2017, 2018? How was your journey to open? Yeah, so 2017 was when we decided that we were going to partner um, with Indigo Floats. So that was the first step. So then that, um, you know, the next step is finding the right location and, and, you know, finding the right builder. And so we've all been through this and that process took, you know, a little, a little over a year, but it was 2018, like summertime when we first approached our health department because we were preparing for build out. Um, and Matt actually, I don't want to tell his story for him, but Matt actually walked into the health department before this all, um, before we did anything just to get an idea for what, um, what to expect and had an interesting first encounter. Do you want to share about that? Do sure, tell yeah. that. So, Please. Yeah. <laughs> I, w I walked in um, to our local county health department in 2018 and asked them what the process was for opening up a float center. Uh, this was not a, a, a foreign topic to them. We have float centers in Florida. Right. Um, and they began to lay out the process for me. And he handed me a public swimming pool application. And he said, I need one of these for each one of your pods, along with a check for $310 each. And I said, okay, what happens after that? And he said, well, we immediately deny them because they fall outside the, uh, I don't remember how he phrased it, but he, he, val he, he, he validated his reason for denying it immediately. And then said it goes to a variance board. And I said, okay, what does the variance board do? And they said, well, they're a group of seven to eight pool professionals 
who determine whether or not you get a, a permit by variance. So you're, you don't meet the pool code because of all these reasons. And the variance board um, can determine whether or not they want to grant you a permit. And I said, okay, if they, if they do grant me a permit, are they going to require that I put swimming pool chemicals in my pods? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, yes, that's part of the process. That's, that's going to be a requirement. And I said, well, then I would like to not be considered a public swimming pool. And he looked at me and said, I'm, I'm sorry, this, that's the way it's done. And I uh, didn't really have any other answers. So that was my first encounter um, with, our, with our Department of Health. Wait a minute here. Okay, Matt, you walk into the health department and just making sure I heard this right. He wanted you to do a permit for each of your pods. How many pods do you have? Four. So you have four pods. You had to pay $310 for each of those permit applications. And they were, were they immediate denied? Immediately yes. denied? If I if had, had jumped through time. each hoop immediately, they would have been immediately denied. Every other float center that's gone through this process, yes, their application is immediately denied. And then when you apply with the variance board, you have to apply again for new applications and for new fees to be considered by the variance board. And yeah. So, so can, can I what do a, other float centers? No, you can't ask any questions. Why are you the host tonight? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead, Dylan, please. Oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> so to the other, to your um, awareness, do all the other float centers in Florida use pool products, chlorine, and, and are regulated as pools or have variances? You know, is there any precedent for other setups? We have to be careful because we are all, you know, we are all on the same team. So other float centers in Florida do follow the process for applying for the pool permits and obtaining variance approvals through the health department. I have a follow-up if I may. This is perfect timing for what we were a little bit talking about pre-show. So my question is, because you, the way you phrased that, are there people who just go through the process and say, yes, sir, we'll put those chemicals in, sir, and then do whatever they want? And yes. Yes. if that is happening, may I ask, and feel free not to answer, why haven't you just done that? Mm. Say, yeah, we'll do yeah. it. Okay, cool. See you later. Well, let's go open. We'll put them in. That's a really good question. And we actually get that question a lot. Hmm. Sure. I'll let you answer that. Yeah, well, that's where I find myself now, but I didn't want to start at that point. I wanted to start at a point of total transparency. I, and I told them that I told them, you know, because they, that their response to me was, well, every other float center is doing this. And I said, well, I've talked to a lot of them and the process is broken and we would like to improve it. Sounds great. And, and talk about, and, and multi, every time we've had the conversation, we asked to talk about what the proper way to clean our float solution is. And, and can we have that conversation? And that's never a welcome conversation ever, never. But that's been the goal through, the, through all of this was instead of just saying, okay, and then doing what we want, you know, or, or complying because there are float centers also that comply and, and that use whatever the required amount is. Um, we just, we didn't, we didn't want to lie to the health department and we didn't want to lie to our customers and let them think we're complying with the health department. 
So we wanted to do the correct thing in, in using, you know, the processes that we as an industry know are correct, but also be honest with our regulators about it. Mm-hmm. And can okay. I just- Oh, please go ahead. You've got so many questions. I know, right? Like right out of the gate. So it has been a long time since I've looked into chlorine and float tanks. Like that is not my wheelhouse. But are there not risks with breathing in activated chlorine in an enclosed environment? Like isn't a swimming pool like ventilation and everything important for an indoor pool? Interestingly, when we brought this up in a very recent conversation with a high-level health department official, he told us in response that it's not his fault we put lids on our swimming pools. We should have anticipated uh, a ventilation okay. problem. So he, there was no empathy for the active float centers? Like, we want to keep people safe. So what about how we've regulated everybody this way? It's just by the numbers. It mm. all comes back to the statute in Florida. And that's it's a very statutory-driven state. Um, and there is a, a very detailed public swimming pool statute, considering all the pools that are in Florida, you know, all the resorts, the vacationing, you know, the, sure. the tourism here, totally. they're really tight on swimming pools. So the statute is like the Bible. And mm-hmm. if you don't change the statute, you're not going to have any luck with any of the people who's, who are tasked with enforcing the statute. And that's where right. we didn't, we didn't understand that when this all began. We didn't understand how deeply ingrained the the people that we would be working with are in just right. simply, you know, doing their job. Mm-hmm. And that's what and they really are. They're doing their job, which is to enforce the statute. But there's no easy way to have, you know, to have the statute change. That's legislative. So. And those are some of the health inspectors that are out there. I find a lot of them to be very, I don't know if that's type A people where they say, this is the letter of the law and this is what I'm enforcing. But yes. those, that's a story that a lot of people have run into and they they refuse to think on their own and always point to something to back up why they're not doing it. And I'll tell you, I would never party with those people. <laughs> <laughs> They are just sticking the Damn, damn. Never. So, so let's talk about a, that's, and it's very unfortunate for them, Drew, that you wouldn't party with them because they're no, missing right. out. They were missing out. But the so, all right. So help me understand your timeline again. So you opened February of 2019. Yes. Yeah, so we How have these initial conversations. Open? Yeah. And that's always, that's always the other question that people have. So Matt had this conversation pre-build out. Um, and then we we went ahead and just started building out anyway. Uh, we we went through the building department of our city. They did not check the swimming pool permit box. They did not, when they came in and they determined all of the, the permits that were required for us to open, they did not check that box. So we went, you know, we passed all of our final inspections and received our certificate of, of occupancy from the city. So we just opened. Yeah, I went down to the building department and in review of our plans, uh, they compared it to the way the building code defined a pool. A pool. And they determined this doesn't fit our oh, definition. These are more like appliances that you plug in and they it's a it's a float it's a float pod, not a pool. They had they applied common sense. I, I was just gonna say that's pretty profound. Like what right. an obvious uh, way to go. 
that it's apples and oranges, right? So was there any uh, discussion with the health department after that precedent was set by the local officials that approved you to open? Was that ever used as an example? It came up in um, later court hearings. Every squeak is probably in the audio. Sorry. It came up in later um, legal conversation. So like in our, in our court situation that just happened last, last fall, we, we did bring that up. Um, no one likes to go back and talk about that. It doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. It's, after I went in and had that first visit, we continued build out. And somewhere before the build out, we submitted one public pool application. No, not yet. So we opened. And then in March, after opening, we received a cease and desist from the health from the health department. Uh, and at that point, we went in to meet them in person. After the first letter that we ever got, we went in to meet with the person whose name was on the letter. We made an appointment with him. We we walked into his office, and unbeknownst to us, their chief legal counsel was also in the room, and the health inspector um, was also in the room. So we had three people sitting across from us and we were not prepared for that, but we sat down in that room in, I want to say March or April, 2019. And that's where we had our first big conversation that I believe set the tone for all of the events that have happened since. And it was a very um, hostile at times conversation. Matt, repeatedly asked questions about, you know, are you concerned more of the the absence of pathogens or the presence of halogens? Which one, Matt, like, which one do we care about? Uh, you know, trying to get more to the, the reasoning behind certain requirements. Yes. Um, couldn't get answers. Everything came back to, it really doesn't matter. This is what the rule is. This is what you have to do. Um, we asked for an entry point. Where's the entry point to have the conversation about the rules? Yeah. What, what, what does a variance mean if not to say we're supposed to have a conversation about the whys and how to make <laughs> this actually work properly? I know. By definition, by the, the rules, rule. a variance is... Oh, I'm already fired up and I'm not, it's not my business. <laughs> I'm so, I know. so fired up. And this so, was only the first conversation. Uh, and, but in that conversation, Matt asked specifically, what is our entry point? And their chief legal counsel sat across the table from us and told him, you're going to do as you're told and submit your paperwork, or I'm going to get an injunction and shut down your business. To which Matt said, bring it. Which may have not verbatim? been. Verbatim? Verbatim? Uh, yeah, that's verbatim. The, 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 stone cold now. I sat back in my chair. Yeah. And I said, bring it. Okay. <laughs> that, for, those, for those listening. I have to paint the picture. I I like to make sure that people understand. So Matt has a very intimidating presence visually. When he's not smiling. Yeah. You can't see it, but he, he looks like he could kick somebody's ass. And she brought it up. How, how big are you, Matt? What's your, what are your measurements? Six, two, two forty. Yeah. You How much like, you bench? Did you play football or like what's your background? You look like a professional football player. I could have. I played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, that's great. 
I can tell. So yeah, I can't imagine that landed well, um, the bring it, but if only we knew what it was going to bring, but you're so right. I mean, it's so irrational that this has gone down this way and it's so unfortunate. Man, it's hard to find a place to take a break here and talk about isopod, but I think we do need to just take a moment. I mean, the whole idea is that we're trying to get people in to float, to have these benefits of floating, and we want it to be able to happen in Florida. And, you know, once we get them in the door, we need them to actually see a float tank and be excited to get into it. And that's one of the my favorite things about isopod is that they come in, there's some apprehension, maybe it's the fact that it's a closed lid or they use that dreaded C word, coffin. And then they go into the float room and they go, oh, ah, it's so nice. Once they actually see it, they oftentimes talk about how large it is, how like, oh, I could, if I close the lid, it's still, there's, you know, you can't touch the ceiling. It's still spacious. You can spread out your arms. It's so nice. The isopods are spacious and beautiful. And behind the scenes, they're built like a tank. So they last too, which I love about them. They make that a priority. Go to i-sopod, i-sopod.com. Check out their float tanks, get in touch with this crew. And I'm also just going to note that these guys also are great after you purchase the float tank with um, uh, any issues that you have, being super responsive, whether it's getting parts, troubleshooting with you. I've really had a positive experience with them uh, as I am an owner of two isopods myself. So again, isopod, that's i-sopod.com and get in touch with isopod. All right, let's continue. I'd like to go back and understand your your frame of mind. First, when you got the cease and desist letter, mm-hmm. what what kind of fear brewed inside of you? And does your landlord have any type of uh, communication with you about what's going on? Like what's going through your mind and what are your, yeah. At that point in time, the landlord was not involved at all. They're still pretty uninvolved. Um, Our landlord has a lot of other bigger fish Mm. that they are landlords for. So we're, we're small beans for the landlord. Um, But it, at that point in time, it was the first time we were like, okay, you know, we were brand new business owners. We weren't sure how this was all going to work. We didn't know how far they were going to push it. We didn't really know what to expect. And that was the first time we were like, okay, they mean, you know, they're for real about this. Let's, let's go sit down and have a conversation. So then in that conversation, it immediately turned hostile. And, but we, but we did leave that meeting agreeing to apply for the permit we were, we agreed to apply for one of them. We were like, we will submit one for you. Yeah. And, and we did, and we paid the fee and it was denied. Um, and then later they came back and said, you still have to do three more and we're going to deny them. <laughs> but the next 18 months, just to jump through the rest of the, the timeline quickly, uh, we engaged local politicians. We, we had meetings with our state representatives who, who started making calls on our behalf. There was a, a representative down in Orlando who tried to introduce a bill um, to remove the, the float tanks from the public pool statute altogether. Um, that bill never really Amazing. made it through, through the committee process, so it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. But there has been statewide effort. We've kind of been involved with other um, float centers in Florida. We have a, a separate, we actually, we call ourselves the Florida Float Collective and we, nice. we have Zoom calls together and we have meetings with other float That's centers great. all around Florida. That's We've been, so you know, amazing. really creating this, this unified approach from our industry in Florida, um, knowing that this was such a hot topic 
up here in Jacksonville. And throughout that that time frame, we received more, you know, cease and desist, more threats, more um, a lot more of that. We just continued operating through it all. Um, and then they did end up filing a, a suit against us. They they did end up with the court um, lawsuit. And then when COVID hit, it sort of put everything on hold. So 2020 was relatively uneventful for us. We just, we were just open for most of 2020. Um, well, subject to what, what COVID did to, uh, you know, open to the extent that we could be. Yeah. But, um, but by the end of 2020, when, when COVID started calming down, they came back around and, and we had our opportunity to, to have a hearing with the judge and, and have expert witness testimony and, and, um, that's its own conversation. I, so I suppose, is that but, where you enter Roy Vor? Where does Roy Vor yeah. fit yeah. into this well, yeah, well, landscape? Let me, let me say Roy entered the conversation before that. Oh, at the float conference. Right. And, and oh, meeting with Roy and meeting with other float center owners and getting to know the other owners in Florida gave me the, the feeling that I was actually okay in doing the right thing and sitting back and saying, bring it. Um, I felt comfortable in all of my points. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, I was going to stand firm. And so Roy really strengthened our ability to do that. Going back to like the 2017, uh, 2018 float conference. So Roy came into the conversation around there, but then he showed back up in our court hearing as an expert witness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, We had taken advantage of, of one of those, those breakout conversations after one of his lectures or, you know, at the conference and had a long conversation with him about this. And he knows the people in, in Florida. He, they sit on boards together, national boards together. So he knows the people and he kind of laughed and said, Oh yeah, good luck. And then the longer he talked to us, he realized, Oh, y'all aren't kidding. Y'all are really challenging this. So he kind of got excited. So if you've ever heard him, you know, he's got that, that little rebel streak in him too. He, he wants to see some change down here. So, so he, you know, we, we reached out to him when it was time to have an expert witness and he ended up coming um, on via Zoom into our hearing and, and providing quite powerful um, testimony, honestly. Huge shout out it. to Roy. I mean, yeah. he's so yeah. amazing to have on our side as an industry and uh, just, a, you know, a pleasure. So uh, yeah. just making sure everybody knows how much we... We have gratitude for him um, out there. So the court hearing, the first time you had that first one was when? It was last fall. And Roy uh, was, in my opinion, the star of that show. He provided a whole lot of science that went completely undisputed. Um, And they had other other people, uh, you know, that were on representing them on in their testimony as well. And so, and no one disputed any of Roy's science. Can I ask about that? That is really interesting to me to hear about the other side, like what cases were being said on the other side and how did Roy get a chance to eviscerate that with, with his knowledge, but yeah, like what kind of cases were they making and what kind of science were they pushing? They weren't really pushing science. Kind of like we talked about when we started this, we learned that everyone's just trying to do their job to the best of their ability. Okay. And 
the legal representation over the county health department took it as their job to enforce and to get us shut down. So the the majority of the hearing was their case to sh- to stop our business from operating and to paint us in the light of being obstinate, refusing to cooperate, wow. um, you know, and and calling us a nuisance. That was the the argument was calling us a sanitary nuisance. And so when asked to provide evidence of the sanitary nuisance, the only evidence provided was that we were operating without a public pool permit. (laughs) There was no other evidence about anything sanitary whatsoever. Okay. And Jackie, I think I also remember, because it's coming back to me now, it's been a few weeks since I watched it, but didn't you say the vice squad showed up oh, at yeah. your door? Like, uh, yeah. aren't, don't they investigate like prostitution and gambling yes. and yes. I don't know what else, but that's for like true, like criminal activity. Yeah. And they showed up at Indigo float in Jacksonville. Interestingly, Florida. I sent a written request to our, the, the chief legal counsel at the health department and asked for a copy of that inspection report. Because we were told that the health department called that that whole spectacle. That was all requested by the health department. So I called or I wrote and asked for a copy of that. And I was told that the health department did not inspect our business that day. And so there was no report to provide. All right. So back up a little bit on that story, because I think that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so not to. So, yeah. So the court hearing, what we felt like was a slam dunk. The judge ended up choosing rather than you know, dip his toe in the water of the substantive argument of the pool definition, which was our case was that we were, we did not actually fall under the definition of a pool. That was our defense. Um, Rather than go there, the judge chose to rule for the department of health and just defer to their authority under the statute. Like, like I was saying earlier, the statute rules everything here. And the statute basically says if there's gray area, the health department can interpret. So rather than, mm-hmm. than dipping into that political water, the Department of Health won the court um, and got their injunctions. Yeah. So after we, we received that order, they showed up to see if we were actually complying with mm-hmm. the order. So that's what this is that you're talking about. They, do you want to talk about what happened? That day. Yeah. Let me jump into the hearing topic real quick. So um, I'm sorry, this is this it's been a long year. I know it has. <laughs> it's uh, it's gotta be very hard. They um the the judge made it very clear that he had a hard decision to make. Yeah. He actually vocalized that in the hearing. And from our interpretation, he chose to not undermine the authority of a state agency and set a, set a precedent in that manner, which I totally understand. He, he mentioned that there was a high likelihood that this goes to the appeal process and it still could. Um, Is there a judge though? Like what, what, isn't that what they are there for? Like the political I, I position, though, when you get into that level of stuff, judges so, are appointed. Like, oh gosh, I don't want to. I don't want to do anything. You know, they're they're in power here, but there is a process developed so that a judge can make a decision outside of that. And, and what am I missing here? He could, and he could have. He had the uh, he had the discretion 
to go outside of it. And he, he indicated to us all before he made a ruling that he really was dreading this decision because he knew that one way or the other, he was drastically affecting something big. He was either shutting down a small business or he was going to shake up the authority of the health department. Interesting. And he, he went that way. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Please. That's okay. Um, so we got the notice of his decision in late January, uh, like the fifth of January, fourth of, fourth of, so of fifth, early January. January. Mm-hmm. We got the notice of, of his decision and, and what he decided, um, and then the when did the and the order the order did not order us to close our business. The order actually said close your four pools until they are properly permitted. So we do have a couple other services. We have a sauna, we have massage chairs, we have retail stuff. So we didn't close our storefront, um, but we did close our pods. So was that where you were going? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and so we didn't close the store and we weren't on good speaking terms with the people over there on the, at the county health department. And so they assumed we were still operating. And and told our attorney at the time that we were being defiant and not complying. Sure, sure. And so he let them know, well, no, they operate other services. Um, but they still sent out a team of eight people. It included law enforcement, vice unit, building department, health department, our utility company. And the fire marshal. And the fire marshal. All of them showed up and... Swore and, and surrounded our employee who was opening. Oh, no. It wasn't even opening for the day. He was coming in for his own personal time prior to opening. We were not open at the time. They, he was they, unlocking the front door yeah. and they all approached him at the door. Our 18 year old employee. Oh, man. That's who, sucks. yeah. So, of course, he just let everyone in because oh. what are you supposed to do? And Rather than try to reach us, everyone immediately started. They scattered. We've pulled the video footage, our security camera footage. It was sickening to watch because they scattered through. They went through every single room. So I don't know what they did in our rooms. I don't know what they looked at, what they touched, what they, I don't know. Um, Looking behind every little corner, everything, every room. Um, They have a warrant? Yeah. No. Um, okay. They so, didn't even have a copy of the order. They didn't know why they were there. Oh no way! When when yeah, we arrived, after you met them. They seemed to be reasonable and agreed yeah. with you, right? Yeah. So you so actually our, confronted them. Yeah, our employee called us about thirty seconds after this all unfolded, and I hopped on a a, a video camera that I have in the store and immediately started to communicate with the officers. Oh, interesting. Through the intercom on the Through, on the yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, I asked them to please leave until I got there because it was obviously overwhelming my employee. And so I got there about 15 minutes later and uh, greeted the police officers and realized quickly that the police officers had no idea why they had been called. Um, It's funny because we actually float a lot of their colleagues. I'm, I'm really good friends with a lot of the vice guys. And when they pieced it all together, uh, they were they were a little surprised that they got dragged into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But so wow. so the 
and they had not been shown the order so, which we actually had the order printed out at our front desk because we had already told our staff about it we already you know we said if anybody comes let them know you know it's okay that we're open so they had all been prepped um and we had it right there and when we arrived matt said have you guys even read the order and no one had so he he grabbed it from our desk and he read it out loud and they all sort of looked around like why are we right. even here so, so it was go ahead when they got there and that you said they just went into all the rooms what were they doing if they didn't know why are they they were there what was their purpose in in their heads S sweeping the location to see what was going on those guys are are great human beings to go into really dark places sometimes. So their job was to come in and assess what's going on. They're usually looking for oh, drugs, so illegal gambling, with... prostitution, or something illegal, okay. right? So That's like they were in like yeah. survival safety. For law, the law enforcement officers, yes. Um, now the building inspectors walked around looking for any building code violations. Oh, interesting, right. The fire marshal conducted an inspection looking for any um, fire code violations, sure. which, and, and he, he, he wrote us up for using, uh, power strips for things that shouldn't be on power strips. Sure. <laughs> so that was like the worst thing that we, that we had. Um, but other than that, there was nothing. And so they, they all ended up leaving <laughs> and no, and I've never received a report. <laughs> all of the, all the city officials ended up leaving. The yes. police officers stayed stayed around until the Department of Health official left, and we had a very interesting conversation with him in the parking lot. Yeah, we were pretty upset that day. I mean, not upset like angry, crying, upset, but it was it was a heated. That'd be um, okay too, by the way. But yeah, yeah, it, and and so we we walked out to him in the parking lot after this was all over, and Matt actually said can we end this on some better terms because it had been heated up at up at the front door it was it was not a, a an easy conversation up there and so matt walked out to him in the parking lot and asked him if we could end you know on some more civilized terms and tried to talk to him about who this was really hurting because this wasn't just about us this is about you know the people that we that we serve and and started to share some personal examples um of of some people that that find their comfort and their peace in our space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I I use the example 48 hours, 48 hours before, before they the showed order. up. I had before an ICU the order. nurse. Huh? Before the order. It was before we got ordered to shut down. Right. Yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. 48 hours before we got the order to stop using the pods, we floated an ICU nurse who was about 32 years old. He had been an ICU nurse for the last seven years and heavily abusing drugs for the last five or six, even on shift, because he felt the energy drain of his job so deeply that it, it pulled him into a deep, dark hole. And so he opened up to me within our space uh, about this 48 hours before we got the order. And he immediately popped into my head when I was standing in the parking lot talking to this health department official. And I said, these are the people that you're hurting. These are the people that come to our place and take care of themselves. This guy opened up to me about suicidal thoughts. He opened me up, opened up to me about 
energy work about about what he had been discovering in himself and and the empathy that he was feeling on his job, but he always had to push away. Hmm. We were having these conversations, and he immediately popped into my head, right? And so I, I I brought it up to the Department of Health official, and he looked me in the face in the parking lot, and he said, "Well, that guy can go float somewhere else now." It's and that, and my reaction was that right there, just kind of shocked. And I didn't know what to say, yeah. but that, those are the words that came back when I brought him up as an example. Well, Unreal. Matt and Jackie, I mean, Unreal. I, I have such empathy for you. you. You are obviously very passionate about the reasons why we do what we do. And for you to be, you know, that, transparent in that moment of stress and deliver that message that was the right thing to do and unfortunately it fell on deaf ears and um obviously there's a lack of empathy on the other side when they heard that but how do you keep going how do you keep going what what happens after after this it's been difficult um but i will credit jocko willink with how i keep going at this point <laughs> have you ever heard of jocko's yeah. It's all good. It's it's good talk. Uh, no matter what news a member of his team brought him, he would say, good. Now we can do this. Good. Now this is available. Good. Now we can talk to this person. And so that's the attitude that we've adopted. My brother shared that video with me right around this time, and uh, it was a big help. And so I've adapted that mentality and, and it's been good because we have, we have met with our Congress representative or our Florida state representatives. Mm -hmm. We've, uh, we've gotten the neck, the mayor's attention. Um, a lot of people know about this now, so it's, it's good. I actually, um, had a phone call with one of the health department officials in the state of Washington who was responsible for the policy shift in Washington state. Um, just a few years back, uh, you know, Washington basically pulled out of the chlorine conversation and said they had had guidance from the EPA, which this was something that Dr. Vore testified about, by the way, about the EPA label on a chlorine um, bottle does not specify use in a, a float tank. So using it in that way, Dr. Vore asserted that that was violating the EPA's, you know, label regulations. Nice. And so in order to comply with a state agency rule, we would be required to violate a federal rule. And so this was the part of our defense. And and to which the Department of Health, anytime we bring that up, they just say, nah, Washington get, didn't get that right because the EPA hasn't made a statement about that. And the EPA says that this is okay in swimming pools and you're a swimming pool. So, you know, we're a-okay here. <laughs> So I actually got on the phone with one of the health health officials in Washington. I was shocked that he answered the phone. Honestly, I called him from Google and he talked to me for quite some time. He had the direct conversation with the EPA. He said there was very specific guidance provided to him in email that he wasn't willing to share, which I understand, oh. but oh. I know <laughs> I tried, trust me. Yeah. Right. Um, but he he said, I have very specific guidance from the EPA that they do not consider float tanks to be pools and they do not believe that float tanks should be regulated under pools and spas. And 
I said, if I can't have that person's name, can I have a statement from you? And he said, absolutely. So I have an email from him to this Fantastic. effect, which I have shared with our local representatives here. They are quite appalled by all of this the same way that, that we all are. And, and they're taking some of this information to, to their you know, peers and to the governor's office. So we expect there'll be some you know, long-term progress Hopefully, if we can keep this up, an EPA statement would be the best, right? That would help all of us. Sure. Um, so if anybody out there knows somebody <laughs> at the EPA, hit me up. But um, in the meantime, the statement from, from uh, Washington has been really, really helpful for us in our, our local efforts. And how, I mean, I almost don't want to put this out there in case they listen to it and know that there might be some kind of endpoint or something, but... How long, like, how, how, at what point does the dream not become worth this battle anymore? There has to be some kind of a tipping point, right? Or is it 100% this is a cause now and we're just going to do it? Well, I think short term that, that tipping point is now we have to get back open. So we're, we're doing whatever we have to do to comply. You have to pay rent. Um, Right. We, (laughs) exactly. So yeah, now the landlord's starting to care, right? But, um. But so sh- the short term battle is is lost and we we've accepted that we are surrendering to that. The long term, the long term effort is is absolutely still there. And those conversations at this point, we are absolutely passionate about it because we didn't go through all of this to, to <laughs> no. not finish it. Yeah, I love it. it. Great for you. And so the short term solution, you are now in the process of implementing that, like, when do you think you can get what you need to get the dosing, you know, to a respectable state so that you can actually open under their law? Well, we've added the equipment. We've, we've done everything that they've asked us to do. Um, at this point, we're waiting on word back from them. Um, that it's okay. That it's okay. We've submitted everything that, that they've asked us to. We, we, we added a bromine feeder or a chlorinator or a bromine feeder. Um, which is a nightmare. Those things are not designed for our system. Mm-hmm. They've got slushy float solution going through it now, and they're it's just it, it's not ideal. But we did it. We 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 spent the thousands of dollars to get it done, and you know check the box. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing what they ask. We've requested expedited review. That's been denied. We had to wait for their next official variance board meeting, which was on March 10th. So this all happened. We got the order back in you know, the first week of February. We had everyone show up in our space for the big spectacle on February 10th. We were told at the time that our next opportunity for, a, for review would be at the next board meeting on March 10th. So from February 10th to March 10th, we knew we had no shot at, being, at running our pods. We thought that after the 10th, we would have the thumbs up. Um, we sat through a four-hour-long variance meeting before they got to us in the agenda. When our names were called, they said, "Oh, you're one of those float tanks. Don't you know what happens here?" Yeah, let me let me add. We were 20th on the agenda out of 22. We were the only ones that were not a pool. Every other person on that call was a condo association who had stairs that were. 11 inches that should have been 10 or uh, a college pool that had the ladders further than 75 feet 
apart, right? We were the only ones that weren't pools. Sure. Yeah. And so when they, when they did call our name, they said, oh, you're, you're an Epsom salt tank. So the process is we deny you here. And then we send you over to so-and-so's office and he will override our denial. <laughs> and we, we were like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We're different. We've been through this whole court right. thing, <laughs> you right. know, like, but no. <laughs> and we were also like, why didn't anyone tell us that for the last month either? Yeah. yeah. Right. We never heard that. So we sat through that meeting to be told we were denied. And then two days later, we got in a letter telling us, you know, submit all of this other information and we'll see about writing you a variance. <laughs> so we've submitted all of that information and now we're waiting. We're waiting for the response. Unreal. I asked tenacity. Bureaucracy, it, yeah, your tenacity and <laughs> strength through this is really profound and remarkable. Thank you. <laughs> really. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for what you're doing. I think the story that Matt told earlier is exactly right. Like what you guys are doing is going to be helping these people through so many things. And, you know, we try to focus our demographics, but we really understand this helps such a wide swath of people who are coming in. And it's stories like that, that multiply that times every float center in Florida alone. How many impact, uh, how many people are you going to be impacting? I love it. I, I love that you guys are doing this. I don't know that I would be willing to do it. You know, <laughs> like I, 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 my hat's off to you and, and then some, it's amazing that you guys are willing to continue going through this. And I hope that someday you are able to simply run a float center and just have all the hilarious, horrible incidents that we have every week instead of yes. this battle also going on. My God. If I may, I, I have a, a couple quick questions. Yeah, here. please. Of course. Um, first off, um, do you think the most recent board knew who you were? Absolutely. Okay. So that leads me to the next question. At this point, you're battling egos. Like that health inspector is taking this very personal and it's not about anything else except you're on his radar and he's going to do everything he can and call in all his buddies to make life as difficult as possible for you at this point, right? Okay. Have you considered going to the media? I feel like this would be a great story for media to run. We have. I didn't want to rush to the media and I, for, for one reason, I wanted to use the media um, properly. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sound like the victim and I wanted to make as big of an impact as possible. And so we've been waiting for the right time to get really loud about this, but the media is, is definitely the next step. Um, if I may, just an idea grab a couple people who floated and have been impacted and say, talk to them. The media, I feel like would eat this story up to do this to a small business and then put public pressure on them to whether it's changed the statutes or um, to work with you a little bit more. But I know I'm not involved, but media. No, you're you're spot on Drew. You're spot on. The the truth is the last month, we felt uh, a tremendous drain of energy and we've just been trying to get through day to day. Yeah. I do want to say though, when you talk about the people that we've impacted, if there is a silver lining in any of this right now, it's been that if we ever questioned what our space meant to people, this has solidified that for us because the outpouring of genuine personalized 
messages of support that people have been writing on our behalf and copying us. A lot of people have copied us on their messages. So, which has been such an amazing thing to, to experience because it's not every day that, that people, um, verbalize Mm. that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so passionately and it wasn't just like one person it's been a lot of people and that has been overwhelming and it is moving and it's powerful and their stories are powerful and if there's any silver lining in any of it it's that those emails and those stories are being sent and they're still being sent we're still seeing them um come through and it's been six weeks now um but we, you know, we've been transparent with everyone. We've, you know, I was posting on Facebook about it the, the week it happened. Um, we, and I think some of, you know, us putting ourselves out there has, has helped other people to really um, step in and, and show us their support, which has been really amazing. That's awesome. I love that. And that's so, a great, yeah, that's awesome. Um my last question at the moment is as an attorney, have you thought about turning around and suing them? Not only did they violate all types of stuff when they went into your place, they had no, no search warrant. They searched through your place. I feel like you could get a, some type of attorney to take that on free of charge for a percentage of what they would settle out of court because I just, let me, I think that was absolutely horrible and violated all types of stuff the way that went down. So that's a question. Have you thought about suing them? Because that also becomes a negotiation chip. Yeah. And as far as me being an attorney, I'm not active in Florida anymore. I still have my bar license, but it's, it's inactive at the time. So I personally, unless I want to go back and do that, but that's, that's also not my area. And so I don't want to shortchange myself, (laughs) but, um, we yes we we have have explored what the the next steps might be the immediate situation which is that injunction for on our on our pods there's really not a lot of legal um options to challenge that there really aren't a lot of things that wouldn't cost us you know more than we can possibly consider right Other now than an appeal right, right. The, the appeal yeah. process is is the option for the injunction Right. And we, and if we just can do the compliance, you know, checklist, yeah. we'll, we'll get open faster than that would, would go anyway. Right. Drew, let me, let me ask you a question because I have considered it. Yes. I've considered it late at night, many nights. Yeah. It's an option, but it's also what has diluted this conversation from the moment I walked into their office. And my, my mission is still the same. I want, if a a lawsuit would help us progress this conversation, absolutely, I would do it. Um, I'm still just trying to have a reasonable conversation with someone. And so I feel like if I turn around and sue, then then it's just our lawyers talking again. And, And one of the things that I said to the Department of Health official in our parking lot was, you can crush me as a business owner if that's what you want to do. If you want to come here and crush me as a business owner, you can do that. But I'm still a member of the state. I'm still I'm still a still citizen of the state of Florida. And I cannot believe the representation we have at our state health department. On matters of public health that we're raising concerns about. 
Yeah, so it's definitely an option, Drew. I don't know if I want to approach it from a business owner standpoint or, or I, I don't know how that's going to unfold. That's for the lawyers to kind of figure out. Um, but I still believe that that common sense will prevail. And uh, maybe we don't have to spend hours down the legal rabbit hole on this, you know, in the future. Well, there's also statutes of limitations, so you can wait on it too. Get get what you <laughs> yeah. need going, and then keep that in your back pocket. Yeah, we have we have a short term, uh, short term plan, short term plan, and a gotcha. long term. Plan. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's really hard to deal with, and um, the emotional tax of it too. Yeah, yeah, it exactly. feels like a violation, right? Like yeah. people were in your space without permission, and that's hard. And um, yeah. I really feel for you guys. So at this yeah. point, all you can do is wait, and you have no idea when they'll give that decision. I honestly thought we would have had a decision by now. Um, well, again, I think what you're doing is the right thing to do and you're making, you know, the, the exceptions to follow the rules while you fight the long game. Um, in closing, as I know we're coming up sh- short on a few more minutes here, what can we do as an industry yes. to help you? What specifically can people from all over the world do to help you? Is it write a letter? Is it send an email? What is it? We're here to help you. Sure. I'd say make noise. And, and we, and who we specifically, have like truly yeah, tell yeah. us. Yeah. This is your opportunity. Uh, please. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Our state representatives are really serious about this because they asked a, a a very pointed question to Jackie and I. They said, what would happen if you drove across the state line into Georgia and tried to open up a business? And we said, well, funny you ask, because they actually don't allow chlorine. They've gone down this this conversation and, and chosen not to allow it. So it, it is definitely impacting the, the economy within Florida because we want to open more centers where people can can care for themselves and so it's getting a lot of attention from our state representatives so reaching out to our state representatives our our mayor our our governor's office the letters that jackie was talking about earlier that people have been writing uh we put out a list of all those people that we would that we thought should hear about what's going on and uh that's who's hearing about it our governor's office the the state surgeon general the mayor um our our representatives who else was on that list um the department of health officials everyone at the department of health and everyone in at the the um so so there's there's roy he's the science and i mean i don't know how much other float centers are going to be able to convey the science of it better than roy for but (laughs) i i feel like what what we might be able to do is um provide the insight of how people are benefiting from it um, is there, who could we, um, provide the email to where if we were to send an email out and maybe have a template, maybe not, but, you know, have the, the first person or I guess, second person, third person's t- stories of, uh, the benefits of floating to, to help light the fire for people who can make this change, you know, who should we be contacting if that's, if you feel like that is the right Avenue, they're, they're having a huddle. Probably. Um, it, that's been part of the problem is like everyone's just trying to do their job. Right. No yeah. one wants to be the decision maker for change. Right. Right. And, and, 
everyone keeps saying the best way to do this is going to be legislatively. So we've engaged our legislators and they're all on board, but even they know that legislation takes time. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a matter of who, who can affect the rules and that's owned by the Department of Health. So it would be the leadership of the Florida Department of Health. The Surgeon General is the top of the top of the Department of Health. His name is Dr. Scott Rivkeys. Um, Louise Saint Laurent is the general counsel or the chief counsel um, of, of the Department of Health. So those are the two top officials. If they're actually the ones who, you know, they're not the ones who rewrite the rules, but I've yet to find who that is. No one will tell us. Wow, that is fascinating. Well, I, think I, I would say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you. I would say either the state surgeon general or the executive office, which is the governor's office. Those those two DeSantis. Offices, yeah, yeah, Governor DeSantis. Interesting. Um, okay, well there's the call to action. So right? yeah, we're I mean, we're gonna include include yeah. in our in our show links and we'll also post on the float collective. Uh, for the timely nature of this, um, a couple links. We'll we'll give you some time after <laughs> after recording just to make sure. Sorry to put you on the spot like that of um, of who who could enact the most change, who's the most likely to make some change, um, and we'll we'll provide a little summary of what might go in that letter. We can talk about that as well. And, and just one piece of advice: I would uh, immediately have those float or those health department officials float. They need it. They need it more than anyone. Wow, those people need to float. Good grief. Okay, Captain Obvious, I know. Um, All right, well, again, thank you guys so much for being on. I know it's painful. My heart goes out to you. I feel your your struggle, your pain. It's it's just so uh, visceral uh, to feel. Uh, listening to you. And uh, we we really thank you for coming on the show and describing the situation. And we really hope we can impact change to, what, to whatever degree we can. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dylan to close oh, out the oh, rest man, of the show. You're not going to yeah. shout out our advertisers and no. right, give the thanks. Well, I want to definitely thank Jackie and Matt for joining us tonight. Thank you for sharing your story. I tr- truly appreciate you letting it all out there. Like, my gosh, I, I was actually really surprised beforehand. We were like, so what should we not talk about? What should we be delicate about? Yeah. There's like transparency is the key. Like ev- everything should be out there. So thank you guys. Thank for you that. for having us and giving us an opportunity to, to share. It, it's an honor to, to be able to be that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks to Drew and Gloria. And, uh, oh, I, I guess we should have mentioned at the beginning, if you didn't Gloria, that Kim is on vacation for the next couple episodes here, but, um, Let's see. Shout out to Helmbot. Shout out to um, Isopod and Mindful Solutions. And let's see here. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Um, man, I hope this gets some momentum. I hope people listen to this one quickly. We'll, um, like I said, get this in Float Collective and and get the word out there. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon um, for float photography videos. Shout out to Olga. Thank you so much for producing the show. You mean the world to us. Thank you. You have changed the show for the positive. So much thanks. And um, let's see here. Beyond that, let's uh, let's make this happen. Let's do what we can do. Just a simple email if that's all it takes. Let's each of us support this one float center and, and enact some float change. We'll see you next week. <laughs>